Hello everyone, Madeline Dale here. And today I've got another amazing guest for you guys to check out. He's got a ton of awesome crime and thriller books out there that I've been checking out and they seem like an exciting read. So I'm going to bring him in and let him introduce himself and we'll go from there. All right, Dan, welcome to the show. Go ahead and tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, Maddie, and anyone listening. Um, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invite. Um, I'm a crime novelist, and uh, I don't know, over two dozen books out. And um, I, just, I just love to express myself, <laughs> either through my writing or through music. I also played a tenor saxophone in a bunch of bands as well. So I uh, have this, this need to... to uh, to be creative or something. You know, my mind doesn't shut off, which is a blessing and a curse at times. I feel so, that. It yeah. can, it, when you try to sleep, it's like, nope, your brain's just going to keep going. Do you ever yeah. struggle with like relaxing to like rest because the stories won't turn off in your head? Yes, yes. It's not, and many times uh, when I sit down or I lay down at nighttime and I try to quiet my mind, my mind goes, ooh, thank God you're here. I said, I've been waiting all day to talk to you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, no, uh, you know, many, many times I do get, I do relax. Um, you know, li I live in Southwest Florida, so we have, a, uh, you know, we have the beaches to go to and just sit there and just look out and, and make a conscious effort to kind of, uh, clear your head. And one of the things that's relating to writing, um, for me anyway, is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm what they call the discovery writer. So, uh, it's not quite total pantsing, uh, but I have an idea and I have a little bit of a framework, uh, but not an outline in a traditional sense. And then I go with the characters and at times paint yourself into a corner. Um, it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, so there's an issue and you're stuck. You go, wow, what do I do now? And what I've learned to do at this point is to trust myself when I get to those corners and I will put it aside and then move on to something else that needs to get written anyway, rather than using that as an excuse to say, Oh, I can't go on. It's too hard. And then, uh, I let my subconscious, it's kind of weird. And, and, uh, I'm not really that type of a person, but usually in the morning when I wake up, I never get out of bed right away. I lay there and I try to clear my mind. And then if I have a plot problem, I try to put it in my head, but not think about it. I, it's not like a consciously thinking about it. I just like let it lay there. And then all of a sudden, a couple, you know, you know ideas start to drift in. You go, oh, no, that doesn't work. And again, I push them out. I consciously try to push them away. And then all of a sudden you go, hmm, you know what? That might work. That might work. And then I get up and I write it down. <laughs> um, so I do, I do, I do, uh, I do relax. I think it's important. I exercise and walk. I walk, you know, five days a week and go to the gym the other two days. And I know that that's um, a great stress reliever and, and also a way to, um, I believe, to release uh, some creative forces in your head. Um, so I'm, I'm a firm believer in the physical helps the mental. I agree. And you actually touched on a topic I like to touch on with mm -hmm. anybody I chat with, which is self-care. And that sounds actually like a great way to keep like taking care of yourself mentally and physically. Yes, I, I think it's I think it's really important. Uh, um, and it's been proven over and over. And especially now I'm, I'm getting up there in a couple of years. I mean, not so far up the ladder, but I'm, I'm definitely climbing. Um, although I can still act immaturely, uh, 
the, uh, and it's really important to, um, that the physical, taking care of yourself physically, has been proven to show that it keeps it keeps the noggin going. You know, it uh, it really does help. And I think that you know, it's such as things like writing and playing music. Um, force your mind to think in different ways and to become active and completely engaged. And I think that's good for your mental health. If not, okay. <laughs> At least I'm happy as I get there, as I get to the end yeah. of the line. Um, so I, I'm, I'm firmly believe in that. And I tell everyone, especially those that are taking care of, of someone else or have a burden uh, is you can't take care of someone else. If you can't take care of yourself first. So exactly. I'm, I'm yes, you know, and I'm also pretty selfish in terms of protecting myself in terms of, of time for myself. I need my space. If you want, if I want to be happy or if I am married, uh, if I want, my wife wants me to be happy, I need that time to do my writing and to play my music. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, then I'll do almost anything, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm, I guard my own time as maybe like self care. That is actually, that's excellent. And that is very important because I am yeah. the same way. I'm like, okay, like I will tell my husband, we have a four-year-old and I'm like, just give me like this amount of time and I'll be good. Yeah. So like, I gotta have a little bit of me time, even if it's just spent doing like writing. Cause I do a lot of my writing in a journal or like in a notebook before I put it yeah. on the computer. And it just, that's something it helps me like ground, so to speak. So. Yeah, no, I, I think you're smart to do that. And, you know, we're kind of taught, you know, that it's selfish being that way, you know, and oh my gosh, you have a baby, you should take care, you know, but you can't be the best mom you could be if you have no time for yourself. Yes. And you there's know. so many moms that will argue that. I'm just like, you got to take care of yourself. Yes. They're important, but you've got to like, you need to take care of you to take care of them because if you fall apart, Who's going to take care of them, you know? Right. A hundred percent. You know, you got, uh, I think you have to take care of yourself. And again, yeah. some of that is just this, you know, having time to yourself, what, no matter what it is that you do. And as a writer, you know, you, if you, uh, one of the other things that I'm, cause I realize, and I'm happy to be talking to a, a, a young mom with children. <laughs> so you have big responsibilities, right? So mm -hmm. you can't, I write every day and I write for hours every day. So I get that most people don't have the time to do that. Um, I'm in a position that I'm able to do this now. Uh, and, but my advice is that whatever you're able to allocate, mm -hmm. a busy single mom, maybe working a job with two kids or whatever it is, can only spare one hour a week, whatever she can. But if you can use the time to write, commit it. And whatever it is, that one hour a week, I don't care, come hell or high water, you better sit down and write. Otherwise, you're not a writer. <laughs> yes. You know. And honestly, it's it's really as a mom, as a busy parent in general, you have to find just that fine line. So yeah. and even if it's late at night and you get five, ten minutes, that's still progress. So Right. Exactly. Right. Because when you when it compounds and after mm -hmm. a year, if you wrote whatever it is, if you wrote for, let's just say, 20 minutes a day and you only and you got 100 words each day. That's 700 a week. That's uh, 35,000 a year. So within two years, you'd have a novel done with only 100 words a day. Yep. Yeah. So it, it does pile on. Um, I, I, I read something recently. It was kind of harsh, uh, but, mm -hmm. in re but uh, and I'm trying to remember who the author was, a big time author. 
And he said um, about aspiring writers, he said, you're not, you're not a writer. If you're an aspiring writer, you're not a writer. A writer writes. So move out of that aspiring background and start writing, and then you will become a writer. <laughs> you That's, know? It's yeah. good advice, though. I mean, I, you have to think of yourself in that mindset to become that. So I'm yes, a writer, I, and it yeah. shifts. Shifts your mind thinking over. So Yes, no matter what it is that you want to accomplish in life, whether you want to be a formula one car racer or whatever it may be, or you want to play tennis, whatever. If, if you don't do it, you're never going to do it. I mean, you know, you're not going to become that. So, yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Yes. So I'm going to shift gears here and ask you about your books. You mentioned in the document that I had you fill out for the blog mm -hmm. that you've got a character. His name is Luca. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Frank yes, Luca. Frank Luca. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, well it, it's a kind of an interesting story how it became about, uh, how he came about. Uh, I, I wrote a book, um, it was called Am I the Killer? And it explored a, a TBI, which is a traumatic Ooh. brain injury. Yes. And I had watched a video, excuse me, a documentary about it. And it was very emotional. And uh, I was crying because it was a family story, a family dynamic, et cetera. And um, I, as my mind tends to work, a day or two later, I started thinking, wow, could you imagine if you were accused of a crime and had a TBI and either A, didn't remember the events because of your injury, or B, used that as to hide behind and say, I, you know, I don't know. And just to try to be that way. So I, I wrote this book and there was this major crime that this person with the TBI was accused of, and I needed a detective to investigate. So I created this fellow, Frank Luca. And while I was writing that book, I enjoyed writing about him so much that he basically hijacked the book. And I had like 150,000 words of, of garbage. <laughs> <clears throat> So, excuse me. So I had to pare it back, and I but I enjoyed writing about him so much that I, I promised myself that if if this book sells, then I'll create a series around it. And I was fortunate that it did sell. <coughs> excuse me, and um, I created a series. But the original book was set up in the Northeast, which is where I was born anyway, in New York. And then I moved him down to Florida and set the book in the, the area that I live in. And that now, is yeah, now there's 15 books out. The 16th book I just sent to the editor on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty long series. Wow. Mm -hmm. So to get in that mindset, starting out from book one, and that you said 17 is what uh, you're working on? 16. 16. Uh, yeah, and are 16. you working on a 17? Well, right now it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm such a productive, I have productivity shame, essentially. And uh, I don't, I'm not writing a book right now. In fact, today I just started um, a kind of a major character sketch on another story, another series that I want to start. Um, and I framed out a little bit of the, the last book in the series, the Luca series, which I think will be the last, but I'm going to leave the door open to bring it back as a PI or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of spinoff characters that I'm thinking about playing with off in their own series. Um, so right now I'm not really writing. So I'm kind of, I feel terrible. <laughs> it's <laughs> that really... transition period. Yeah, yeah. It's, usually I have something lined up right away. Um, and I forgot where we were going there. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll take us back there. It's okay. Because you said you're, if you've got 16, what yeah. has it been like creating that many books with uh, this character? Well, 
to, to go to, to go back a little bit, um, I, when I first started writing, I was I was writing what I wanted to write or whatever I felt like, and that led to a, a lot of genre hopping. So I wrote science fiction. I wrote it's coming of a political th political thriller, a spy. I, I was writing all kinds of jazz, and I didn't get traction. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone I spoke to at the time told me that you, you need to write a series. You need to write a series. And I'm the funny thing is I'm a voracious reader, but I'm not a series reader. Mm -hmm. So I guess I was kind of adverse to that. Um, and then I finally said, okay, this is the guy that I can build a series around. I think he's got enough depth of his character. <clears throat> and that's what I did. And uh, the first three or four books came along pretty easily. And then I kind of was like, uh-oh, I'm starting to run out of ideas. And I, I felt I didn't want to repeat myself, yeah. you know, uh, and I didn't want to bore the readers. Uh, fortunately, I'm not sure how I was able to do it, but I was able to continue to create new environments, new stories. And I think my the craft of writing, my skill as a writer, only because writing, again, whatever mm -hmm. it is, a million words or two million words, you're going to have to get better at it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it, it actually, writing him is actually pretty easy. Uh, it's really easy because I really know him. I know mm -hmm. the setting. I know the surrounding cast of characters. Um, and I've weaved a lot of like subplot type of dynamics between the characters and who's sick and just, just various life events that kind of enhance the, the main stories. And I've also been able to... Uh, you know, come up with some really good twists, I think, which which were kind of lacking in the beginning and which I think whatever that was five years ago or something, it mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't a requirement. Now the genre, you know, everybody wants these mind blowing twists. I like them, too, but they're not easy to come up with. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they are not easy. Um, so I was I, I've been I think I've, I well, readers have said, let's put it that way. They're, they're the ultimate judge, right? The readers, mm -hmm. I could think a book is great or I could think it's not so good. And, and then readers will go, wow, I really like that. That was phenomenal, et cetera. And they have, everyone basically is unanimous in that the, that the, the deeper you go into the series, the better it is. And, and because of that, I've actually tinkered around in my mind about, should I go back and rewrite the first couple of books and try to make it stronger? My read through is good. And mm -hmm. my, the stories are all what they call standalones. So you do not have to come in at one. Okay. You know, you don't, you can come anywhere. And, and, and a lot of times, because I know that the books, let's say from three, four, five are much better. I try to steer the readers into three. Somebody asks, what should I read? I go pick up this one. And then you can always go back and, and yeah. some do, and some just go forward. Um, and uh, my next, to, next to the last book, which I guess was 13 or 14, um, was really a, was was really very very popular, mm -hmm. so uh, you know I've been been fortunate with that. Um, but uh, again, where I was going with that, so I so I, I have this series, and I have another series that's small that it, that's not selling, and I just just changed covers on mm -hmm. that. I just released, I just had new covers that came out within I don't know maybe two weeks ago, um, because I'm just in little bit of inside baseball i don't know what your audience is for authors or not um but it's uh, a mix of both so. okay so so people are familiar with with trying to market the books and then when you market the books you, you essentially for a book browser looking on amazon for instance mm -hmm. 
they're going to see these little thumbnail sketches and whether they click or not, <laughs> you need them to click. And when they click, yeah. they go to your product page and on a product page and they can read the blurb, get a, get an inside look and then decide at that point. But <clears throat> we were finding that my, the covers were not, were getting impressions, but not clicks. It's so always a felt, pain in the butt because I had a series that's I've had to go back and rework because of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very frustrating, you it know. Is. Um, so we've just done that, and I'm going to see now whether or not uh, that that uh, is going to help because I really like that series. In fact, I wanted to write in a, a couple of couple of uh, in uh, a couple of more in in that series. That's only three books long. That series at this point. Yeah. Um, but. Um, <laughs> I have to go where I have to go where the demand is. Yeah, and do you feel like you write more for like market versus yourself? No, no, I I write for myself. Yeah, nice. yeah, I, yeah. I, I I've listened to, I've taken classes, I've spoken to a lot of people. Um, I, I think again, I, whatever, everything, whatever works for you, go for it. You yeah, know, that's that's my policy. I don't want to be constrained by a market expectation. I'm not saying you, you, you can't write what readers, if a reader is going to pick up a mystery murder mystery, they have expectations. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I'm not going to follow a new thing that, you know, let's say serial killers, you know, were, were, were big or probably still big. Um, you know, uh, just, I mean, it's easier to do in the, in the romance to express it like, you know, billionaire romance, you know, you know, all of that type, you know, vampire romance. It's, Again, people ride those waves. You have to be a fast writer as well. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, you got to be quick. I, I'm definitely with you on that. I'm not a writer to write to market because everything I write tends to pull in things from other genres too. And I'm like, well, here we go. Yeah. So it just kind of doesn't doesn't have its its little place. It, it kind of breaks the mold. Everything I write, anyway. But that's all right. You have to be who you are, right? If you, you can't, I mean, I wish I could write by like a Stephen King, for instance. But you know, you know, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yes, agree. <laughs> whoever I, I can't remember who said that, but that's a great line. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, and sometimes you're going to turn people off with that. Yeah, and it's okay because right. ra yeah. one book doesn't fit all. Like it's everybody has their own niche. So to speak. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty clean. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable cursing mm. and I'm not comfortable writing curse words. Right. Um, so I, I really don't curse in my, in my Luca series. Yeah. You know, and originally I did, a you know, the beginning books had, uh, had a f some F-bombs in them. Um, but if I'm writing a character, that's the character. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah, you have to follow their little, like, their personalities, their right. quirks and everything. Exactly. And it's weird how that comes out and it stays like that. If you know the character, you know, and I, I would say for myself that I was probably more plot-driven mm -hmm. than, than character-driven. And now I'm paying much more attention to the character oh. um, with the plot. Yeah. Um, because I think readers suppose it, you know, I don't know it, as a reader, I'm just different. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm who I am as a reader, right? I'm more interested in the plot. I really am, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe that's my, my author brain. How, how's, what's the mechanics of what's the author, what's the re, you know, the writer 
doing here and how's he doing it? I'm always, I'm reading like that, which, which takes a lot of enjoyment out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but it's hard not to think like that, especially once yes. you've published books and you know, everything that goes into it, it it's, it's like, it stands out more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and some, and sometimes, you know, you go, Oh, why'd you do that? You know? <laughs> yes. And other, and other times you go, why didn't I think of that? You know, yes. it's so hard. You can't, you, you just can't turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, that's what makes books so fascinating. You know, there's gazillions of them out there and they've been out there for centuries. Um, and, and according to, I guess it was Shakespeare or something, it's only seven stories, whatever they say, but yet we have books that, you know, all kinds of things going on uh, that they don't feel the same. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. I mean. So in writing these books and in writing in general, what do you, what have you found to be the biggest struggle for you? Um, well, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at dialogue and I've been told that I'm good at dialogue and that might just be my observation skills orally. And the fact that, um, how I approach that. Mm -hmm. But what, what I do struggle with is description, right? Um, because I'm conscious, you know, I'm torn between this, this Hemingway, mm -hmm. you know, model or, or, um, Solzhenitsyn who I, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, right. But he wasn't, an, he wasn't a fiction writer, mm -hmm. but he wrote some just incredibly powerful books that just put you in the cells with, with, the uh, with his protagonist. Um, I can't do that, you know, um, but how much do you do? How much do you say, you know, um, you know, somebody walks in a room, mm -hmm. what do I give them? You know, what defines that space? You know, is it the red bar stool, the mirrored bar? What, what, what do I give them that can give them a sense of that space within, you know, one sentence without going yeah. on and on and, you know, yeah, too much dialogue description can really turn a reader off. So, and yeah. I, the first one, which I feel like I've had a lot of authors use is Tolkien. He gets over descriptive on yeah. some of his stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, if I pick up a book that is overly descriptive, I find myself kind of skipping ahead. And I know that's horrible because I know how much work goes into it. But at the same time, you're like, you want, you want the story to move along, but not to keep you. Yeah, Maddie, I'm, I am 100% with you. I skim <laughs> when I get to that. I, I, you know, and maybe it's our short attention spans. I don't know. You know, I, I, I really don't know what it is because I, I do give it a lot of thought. You know, mm -hmm. you know, people do, who, um, they go on and on and on. These and there's some of these are very, you know, very very uh, successful authors, much more successful yeah. than I am. And you read them, you go like, what? Come on, let's go. Get me to yes. what's going on, you know? As as they say in Murder Mysteries, you know, which is making this new this new series that I'm going to start harder because you have to drop a body on page one, basically. Right? Yeah. You know, that's what the reader's expecting and that's what holds them right away. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to have that. And that that's what made like book one totally different because it was this brain injury thing that you had, I needed to do more backstory to make it believable. So that mm -hmm. when it came to the crime that the reader would believe that this individual was impaired. So that took yeah. a little bit of footwork. Um, and, and I, and I've, I had, 
I don't know what it was, two years after it came out, I went back and I cut like 4,000 words out of that book just to speed the read. Yeah. Um, Because I felt it was just, you know, I used to write very densely when I first started. Yeah. Um, uh, Because I do like information. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But readers don't. That's Um, true. Yeah. So, yes, I I am with you 1,000%. The story has got to move along today. It really does. Yes. So, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit to the TBI yeah. stuff because I I'm overly fascinated with TBIs. I have had the, my experience oh, with that wow. personally. I've had a TBI. Oh my gosh. So I, yeah, it sucks. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm kind of curious, how much research did you go into to get all the info you needed for your story? I, I did a lot. Um, so a couple of, there's a couple of things to go down because I, I love talking about this. Uh, what was, what was funny about it, uh, First of all, when I after I finished the book and I and I sent it to my editor, my editor, although it's, I'm not using that editor any longer, that editor was a New York guy and he's tough as nails. I mean, yeah. just ridiculous. I sent him the manuscript and I swear within an hour he calls me up and he said, "Is this does this medical stuff? Is this medical stuff true? Is this correct? You know, where'd you get this information from?" He was grilling me on. Yeah. And I said, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I told him everything. And he goes, okay. Because otherwise, if this is not, you're going to lose everybody. Yeah. Nobody's going to read this. So the, and you may be familiar with this, this move, this thing, it's called Crash Real, R-E-E-L. Mm-hmm. And what it, what, you know, you don't talk, it was a documentary on HBO. I think I've followed, heard of it, but I haven't yeah. watched it. Yeah, you so. should see it. It's, so Sean White, which was a snowboarder, mm-hmm. the guy with the red hair. Oh, who, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this was when he was starting out and it was him and another fella. And the other fellow was actually better than Sean White. And it was to get on the Olympic trial. There was the Olympic trials to go on the Olympic team. So during this, they were filming these two guys competing against each other in, you know, new tricks and all these flips. And during the filming, this one fella takes a fall and he lands on his head and he had it and he became with a TBI. And then the whole story shifted from a sports oriented one to a family dynamic and the guy's recovery. And I'm still getting the chills, whether they tell you, you know? And um, so at first it was, is this guy going to survive? And then how is he going to recover? And, and the family dynamic, the mother and father. And then he also had a younger brother who he was very close with who had down syndromes. So there was that whole, you know, heart tugging thing going on. I cried when I watched it. Yeah, uh, you're, yeah, you're making yeah. me emotional just yeah. talking about it. Because, like, I, I, having experienced that and lived through that myself, I, I understand how hard it is. Like, Yeah, and, and what was amazing, well, I show what it is amazing. One of the things, and I, and I was ignorant as well, right, if you think about it, is that sometimes you go, what the heck's wrong with that person, you know? Because mm-hmm. you don't see, if somebody's limping or has a prosthetic, yeah. automatically we are like sympathetic, right? Or, or empathetic, whatever <laughs> we go, Oh yeah. wow, man, a poor guy, or this and that you understand, or somebody had a stroke, you can see it. Mm-hmm. But a TBI is like a hidden injury yeah. that you, you can't see. And you don't know the struggle that is going on. You know, the inability just for instance, to touch your nose, you know, yeah. uh, is so I, I, you know, I don't know how even to say, I feel bad that you got, you know, it was my family. We, I'll tell you a little history of it. And my family was actually hit by a drunk driver. I was 12 at the time, I think. So, and I was actually super duper lucky. 
because um, my traumatic brain injury, I had a subdural hematoma, which was bleeding on the brain and everything. Yeah. And I had swelling and stuff. Um, but somehow, some way, my body soaked up most of the blood. I was in ICU for only three days, mm-hmm. um, thankfully. So I didn't have to drill into the head to no. release the pressure. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, yeah, right, but normally yeah. that's not the case because my cousin, yeah. she was in a wreck two years ago and had to have that happen yeah. because she had a TBI and it's just recovery is definitely different for everybody. I was lucky that I did not, I guess it, because I was young enough and my body healed up the way it did. I didn't have to do a lot of therapy and stuff mm-hmm. following, uh-huh. but my cousin did and she struggled a lot more than what I did, but it's so different to see all the different variances and TBI injuries. Cause I also have, I'm a physical therapy assistant as well as like doing all the author stuff. I only work like occasionally, but it's like, that was one of the favorite things I studied because I had experienced it it, and it presents so different for every single one. It's insane. So it's a big mountain to climb, Uh, you know, just in just adding that knapsack with 10,000 pounds, just that, the struggles of just normally growing up and mm-hmm. figuring out life and yeah. then have this, 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 um, this thing happen to you, um, and not have, you know, the full ability mm-hmm. to. It's like, you, you have know. to figure out a different way around things to do yeah. just like what somebody, it's almost like I'll use like writing a research paper and yeah. stuff like I, and back up my research paper that I the ones I had to write were like 50 pages long because it was in the middle field (laughs) so like for a lot of the students it was just straightforward for like for me though it was like a windy road because I couldn't focus on certain things and I'd get lost over here but in a way it's also helped with my storytelling because I Mm. have all of these stories yeah oh yeah yeah you see and you know the way you look at life is different Mm -hmm. because you know everybody see you know let's just take an eyewitness, you know, to anything. Yeah. You know, a speeding yeah. car doesn't have to be a, 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 a crime. We all, we, we see the same exact event, but we process it through the filter of yes. what we've lived through. Yeah. And, and that's why we come up with these two different versions. Like what? That guy looks threatening, threatening. What are you talking about? You know? Yes. Yes. That, and and so I cool. get it. I definitely yeah. get it. And as, as, and then when you throw in the physical thing with the brain, um, and how it affects everything. I mean, it affects your eyesight, your peripheral vision, just like all kinds of things come into the mix, depending upon the specific injury that you suffered. And then as you're saying, the road coming back is, is, you know, you may may, may need to learn how to talk, how to, how to Mm -hmm. walk, you know, you know, whatever. And I'm not sure you, I guess you do get back. Maybe your brain builds these at the neurological, uh, whatever you, some do, synapses. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, is really heartbreaking for the ones that don't get all of it back because it's yeah. harder on them. Right. But it is, it's just, a fa- I, I say, because fa- it, it fascinates me. It's a fascinating thing to see, like, the differences. So, sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would say that one thing is that, you know, on a, on the positive side, you know, you, you have a rich field of experience mm-hmm. to pull from. And, I'm, uh, you know, just not the experience too, but even the emotional interaction between let's say your parents and you know yeah. just you know i don't know if anyone else was injured in the accident yeah my yeah, okay. we were pretty much all my best friend who was with us at the time she was in the seat next to me she had a minor concussion yeah. and my sister was because we were in a suburban 
um, and the drunk driver hit us on the driver's side. Sorry, I'm having yeah. to think back because I'm going off of what I've been told over the years because yeah, right, I sure. don't remember any of it. Um, but my dad was in the front driver's seat. He actually ended up with a dislocated hip, hmm. shoulder, and big toe, which he was very lucky. It was like somebody was like holding him in a space as oh. everything like crashed around him. Because the drunk driver hit us going like 70 or 80 miles per Oof. hour. And Yikes. we had pulled off into the ditch and we're like trying to slow down and get out of the way to 30 miles an hour. Because my dad had to turn the vehicle so he wouldn't hit us in the side. Um, but my little sister was in front of me and she broke her femur and her chin her no not her chin her jaw and then i was behind her and the seat buckled on me and i received that tb that the brain injury so it was Jeez. just it could have been a lot worse but wow. we were very 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 lucky um yeah so well, well also you know it's a, it's a, it's the a subject that i'm exploring in this new character in this book because mm -hmm. I, I call him a mechanic so to speak um like a justice guy uh um, yeah that, for the stuff that the justice system does it. So yours is a perfect example. This drunk driver, mm -hmm. and I have a friend of mine, um, actually he just recently passed. He, his 23 year old daughter was killed by a drunk driver. So how, you know, where, how do you make that right? How do you not you let, how, how, I mean, you know, right. Cause how? honestly, if I ever, cause, Oh, the man that hit us, he yeah. also killed his passenger. Oh. who turned out he was having an affair with her and she was pregnant, killed her and the baby because <sighs> oh his God. truck went on top of ours, flipped, and it landed on her because it kind of threw her out and just rolled on her. He was able to walk away. He was injured, but, like, mm. he wasn't put in jail or anything. And, like, I've always thought over the years, I hope I'd never meet him in yeah. person because I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> he never, he never, he was never, he never went to jail. He never got... Mm -mm. Wow. That's, as far that, as I know of, anyway. But well, it that's was a miscarriage just like, of justice. I mean, that's a big vehicular homicide, I mean, at the end of the day. I know he was right. in the hospital for a while, and there yeah. was it was a long, drawn-out case for years. Yeah. But. Gosh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> kudos to you if, if to move on, because you, mm -hmm. you, you don't want to have that, you know, anger and bitterness. Mm -hmm. that That doesn't. Easy, easy for me to say, but yeah, it's not, it's not, not as helpful. bad as it used to be. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I still don't want to ever like run it to him. Oh, so. of course, no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but back to the books. You yes. said you're switching to fixing to switch up to a new series. Yes, I'm. I'm planning. Um, I have a couple of ideas, mm -hmm. uh, and I one of them is going on to the next Luca, which might be the last Luca. And I have a pretty well idea how I want to end it on that yeah. one. So I kind of know that. I don't, I shouldn't say, I know the main plot story. I don't know yeah. how I'm going to get there. Um, and then I have the Corey series, which I wanted to continue on, but I think I'm being pulled towards this other character that I've been trying to flesh out like a character sketch about what, what, what drives the guy? What's his background? Mm -hmm. Which is which is things that I really never used to do when I first started out. I would just go like, I need a detective and, mm -hmm. you know, and or whatever it is. Um, now I'm giving more thought to my, the quote unquote protagonist. And if the uh, the evil guy, if, mm -hmm. if he has a voice or she, then I yeah. need to know who they are. Um, 
you should, you know, I've done these two voices, um, you know, the, the, the murderer and then the detective at the same time, kind of yeah. alternating chapters. I've done that type of thing, which I like doing. Um, but, I, but my whole thing in the Luca series anyway, is kind of Hitchcockian or like Agatha Christie or mm-hmm. some of the better writers out there today where you can't guess the ending and you can't guess who the killer is, you know? And yeah, so that's what I'm, I've, I've been pretty, pretty much, if you read my reviews, that's basically what I've been able to do that, that nobody can figure yeah. out in most of the books until the, you know, the last pages that, oh, that guy or that her, you know, or whatever. Um, but when you do the two voices, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to do, like I had a serial killer um, that was talking, going along, and it was really challenging because I, you didn't know if it was a male or a female. So to try to write that voice yeah. and hide even the gender is, <laughs> it was hard. Um, so, uh, but anyway, I, he was, he was good enough that I brought him back in another book. Um, uh, but it ended up being a male. Uh, but I, I liked that. And I've been thinking, um, I actually was just reading, started reading uh, Ruth Ware's new book, The It Girl. Um, oh, yeah. So far, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, er- it's early in, it's early in. Yeah. And I, I, I like the way she set it up so far. Um, but it's one of those things you go back in time. So well, it's past and present, which I, I don't know if I, I may have done that, but I don't think I have. It's um, hard to do that. Some books do it well. Some yeah, it's like, yeah. they just don't get it. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I, it's always alluring to, and I have one idea already, actually two that I, I keep a, I, uh, it's actually a Google document, but a bunch yeah. of ideas, you know, like, you know, a like judge. a flow of it. Yeah. Right, I, like, I, hey, mine in notebooks. So it's a little crazier. That's right. 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 But yeah, right, these little ideas that, you know, main thing is, uh, you know, just for argument's sake, it's been done already, but why not? You know, two sixteen, you know, four 16 year olds, mm-hmm. somebody ends up dying back then. Now you see them when they're 35 and they get together again or something, you know, or, it's, or this, this killing or this crime that you don't know what it was is haunting these four characters yeah. into their adulthood. So those types of books, you can go back like that and done well, they're very interesting. So I don't know if I have, if I'm able, if I'm, able to do something like that i don't know you know and the other thing that is interesting which these like a ruth wish you know she can get away with these these things but when you're writing like quote unquote a police procedural Mm -hmm. um you know forensics today you can't hide anything i mean (laughs) you know (laughs) they're solving murders from like 80 years ago these days so So if you're writing about a story in the 1950s there was no cell phones it becomes so much easier yeah and when I was writing the Lucas series and I had a bunch of books already, I don't know, maybe it was five or something like that. And I was going like, what am I going to write next? You know, like I, and I said, I, I wrote a cold case where he goes back in time, 25 years, just to like kind of give myself a break mentally and not have to worry about the forensics end of it so much. And then you could use the forensic of today to go back, you know, although I didn't kind of use the forensics in that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't use that. Um, But it's easier to write. And when you don't have, when you didn't have cameras everywhere, right? It's like everywhere has cameras now, period. Right. Who's, who's going to go rob a bank today? You got to be out of your mind. (laughs) For real? You're like, they really robbed the bank? What? Yeah. 
And then there's you know, pictures and, all over the place of what right. they look like. Like, okay. So I, I mean, again, as a crime writer, I am constantly reading true crime and constantly listening to true crime podcasts, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And um, how you can't get away with anything. I mean, you really can't, uh, you know. Yeah. So you got to really be inventive. And, and if you didn't have a detective as the protagonist, Mm -hmm. either had uh you know just a story about a crime without getting into the nitty-gritty about the crime and uh who did it basically more about how the crime affects the people yeah. right which is which is a big interesting thing that i've been thinking about a lot in this last book i was only i was trying to think of the one i just got at the editor was that crime really is uh and I, in this case it was had to do with rape um cool. It's 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 a, like a volcano, right? Because mm -hmm. it spews destruction much broader than even on the victim. Of course, the victim is destroyed, but the family around. If someone is is murdered, of course, the victim bears the ultimate, you know, negativity. But what about the mom and dad, the sister, brother, the husband, wife, the the kids? It's like a big circle of people yeah. that this crime affects. And it affects everybody, you know, differently, you know? Oh, yeah. man. That's my dog now. Aww. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that's, a, that's, that's one way that you could examine, uh, excuse me, you could write a story without having to get in the nitty-gritty. Oh, gosh. <laughs> At least he's up with listens, right? So yeah. um, <laughs> I have okay, four cats and two dogs, so okay. it's, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had we have an old Maltese. She's sixteen, oh. and that's the one there. And then my daughter is with us now, and she's uh, she's here now. I'm watching her dog. So the yeah. two of them sometimes get into it. Um, oh. I'm sorry, I just moved to a different room. You're right totally now. fine. It okay. is okay. I made sure mine were all in a safe spot and the windows okay. were closed because I have one. He's a Chihuahua mix because all my pets are rescue pets, but the oh, Chihuahua cool. mix, he barks at everything. And I'm like, Bane, stop. <laughs> so, and even if they're outside, like they always, it's like he knows I'm doing interviews and he comes yeah. right over here to this window and just, rah, 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 and I'm like, Dude, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we have become such a pet driven society. It's amazing. Yes. It really. Is. And, and it, in this last book, too, I actually I put something in about dog nappings. Oh. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, no, it's, it, it is amazing because like, so I could have you know, more pets if my husband would let me. So. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, we're, we're the reverse in this household. If it was yeah. up to my wife, we'd have more. But I, you know, I attribute it a little bit. I mean, obviously, I'm older than you, and my daughters are are, are 30s. Yeah. So, um, but when, like, a mother, right, which is to me is just like, you know, the best person in the world, a mom, when the kids leave, mm -hmm. you need something to mother, you know. <laughs> and obviously, I didn't yeah. cut it. <laughs> oh. So, but the way she treats the dog is just like. Okay, Aww. you know, just you just and you don't over them. You just do because you, that's that motherly instinct. And as baby boomers, if we are, you know, we don't have the kids in the house anymore. So the dog is it the takes de facto place. kid. Yes, <laughs> my mom did that when my my little brother was the last one to leave the house, and mm -hmm. like when he did, she went and got this little um, 
long-haired chihuahua and that is her baby and it is, yeah. it's so funny because i was like yeah mom you replaced with us with ollie because that's how it, what his name is and it's like yep yeah. ollie's our little brother so, <laughs> and it cracks everybody up yeah it's crazy but it, you're not alone it, it's yeah. very very common i mean now when you go out to the restaurants i mean you have to see a couple of dogs i mean it's just impossible not to it um, is so everybody and then i told my wife one step i'm not going is just stroll a thing Okay. If you get a stroller for the dog, I'm out, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I probably, I don't know. I say that we used to have, so my husband's grandpa, when he passed away, he had a Yorkie that we took in and we kept her and and she finally reached an age where she wasn't doing good. And she got where she, she went blind and she found out she had cancer and stuff, but like I, she was small enough. I didn't have to get a stroller, thankfully, but I would carry her whenever we'd go places just because yeah. she could smell like yeah. funny things because she couldn't see anything anymore. But it was just, I would, will probably be one of those like it's a stroller if my dog is like to a point, the bigger yeah. dog. Anyway, I don't know. She's knock on wood, still doing okay, but she's getting up there. My big dog, she's a, a boxer mix. Wow, but I'm yeah. just like, no, stop getting old. You're not supposed old to get she? old. She's old nine. And oh, okay. yeah, we're, her joints and stuff are getting bad. I like, know no. all about it. Our Maltese is 16. Yeah. So. 16. So she's going blind too. She can't oh. smell. She can't hear. I yeah. Just, yeah. And little yeah. dogs, they live so much longer than the big dogs. Like yeah, it's, exactly. It's nice because Ivy, the she was the little Yorkie. She was a teacup Yorkie. She lived till she was 12, I think is what we determined her yeah. age was, 12 or 13. So but yeah. she had problems earlier on before she got older. So it mm. was... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's awesome that you put that in your story, a little kidnapping thing. That is so cool. Oh, so you also mentioned you played the tenor saxophone, right? Does that inspire you to write scenes on occasion? Um, Well, the the, the Quarry series, which is actually, that's like an acronym for it, but it's called the Suspensal Secret Series. Mm -hmm. The the main character is a session musician. And it takes place in Manhattan. And it's, it's another story that was rattling around in my mind for a long time. Yeah. So he's, he's a very accomplished session musician, but he doesn't have a solo career. And he's in his mm-hmm. mid-30s, uh, married, you know, living in an apartment in Brooklyn, commuting to Manhattan, um, playing on all the great albums, but he just gets paid for the day, you know. And, yeah. and uh, he goes in to make a demo tape um, in the studio. And, of course, he's going to like 1 o'clock in the morning when it's like 200 an hour instead of 1,000 an hour. And he sees this, I call him like a hit master, like a sort of like a Michael Jackson type of guy. Yeah. Um, everything he writes is, you know, just amazing, like an Adele or something. And um, he's in the studio himself and he's played on his albums. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he goes by, he's by himself. He goes in his own room. He does his demo on the way out. He looks in the, in the window and he sees the guy slumped over the piano. And basically, he OD'd. Oh, but, no. Right. But what the story is, is that on the piano were eight songs that this guy had written, new songs. So my character takes the songs, puts them in his back sack. And now what should he do? So Holy yeah, crap. <laughs> yeah. So and anyway, he, he does use them and he becomes a big star. And But then somebody knows and it just goes on. Yeah. Man, that's intense. But that's like that's a great like. Pull, it's a good it'll story. really pull you in kind of thing. Yeah. So. It's a good hook. It, it was a good hook, you know. So um, the little bit of problem I had with that was that on book one, he, like many of these characters, 
in real life anyway. Mm-hmm. They make it big and they become arrogant and then they start cheating on the wife and they get into the drugs. And that's what this guy did. So he went up and he went down. Mm. Um, but then he ends up redeeming himself, but he was not a very likable character, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but books two and three, I had him, he ends up being very big with cancer with kids, um, yeah. dedicating his life to that and a bunch of different, and then he gets into a transplant. It's more like helping kids, how mm-hmm. he goes along in books two and three, um, which was another interesting journey learning about, you know, the transplant, illegal transplants and all that stuff that's going on. It's yeah. just, it's just, you know, just, there's a lot out there. It's a lot of crazy. So, it's craziness. Yes. Absolute crazy. craziness. Um, but anyway, that's the music. But what, what I do find, and I, it, there's a fair number of authors that I'm friendly with that have uh, an interest in music. Uh, and so a lot of times I'll, I'll start to write and I'll write, I don't know, maybe I'm writing for two or three hours and I'm feeling, you know, a little tired or yeah. mentally tired, not physically tired. And I'll, I'll put it aside and then I'll come in and I'll play for an hour or two. And then I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? You want me to scale Mount Everest? What? I'm ready to go. And then I go sit down again and I start writing again. So it's, it's more like um, it, it rejuvenates my creative spirit. Um, yeah. It's not giving me ideas, but it just gets the well feeling like, you know, yes. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, Yeah. but, but it's helpful for me. Anyway, that's good. Yes. Cause that's, everybody needs something like that. So that's good. Yeah. And it could be because, and I know that even taking a walk, I've done that too. I go Mm -hmm. outside, I go, I, you know, I don't like to go to the gym in the afternoon. I do that in the morning, but if I, sometimes I take a walk and when you go for a nice long walk and you know, it just, it rejuvenates you. Yeah. You know, mentally, mentally, you know, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate the opportunity to meet you. It was great. I really like it. I like like your thing. I like your opening video. Thank you. It's very cool. Yeah. Go ahead and tell our readers and viewers where they can find you and your work. I know you have an awesome website that I've been checking out. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Well, I think that's probably the easiest way. uh, Mm -hmm. So it's www.danpetrosini.com. So it might be... Well, if you're not seeing it, it's Dan, D-A-N-P-E-T-R-O-S-I-N-I.com. But as my dad, who's 96, mm-hmm. says, forget about spelling my name. Just make the check out the cash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works. So, yep. I mean, right. but again, so, uh, thank you so much yeah. for being on. And you guys, if you're listening, make sure you check out his work. He's got some amazing books out there. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. It was, it was a great afternoon to chat with you. Yeah. Wish you much, much more success. Thank you.